all kind of cuisines on the high street. French, the Japanese, the pizza, the burger, the sushi, the Indian. Yet, there's no Lebanese or Middle Eastern cuisine on the high street. I really want to showcase our food yeah. and our generous hospitality to the British high street. Sure. And that's where the idea was born for about 10 years before I actually started it. I was dreaming and every day about it. I was praying every day, but I was put in the hours. I thought about the food, the design, the atmosphere, the music, the team, the uniform. It's almost like different categories that are, each of them is very important. Once someone tries Lebanese or Middle Eastern food or North, North African food, you know, you don't need to understand it. You just get it straight it's away. Good food, you, right? you, it's good food, yeah. it's healthy, it's yeah. fresh. My team is, I feel like it's a family. Sure. It's my family. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion and big drive. They are disruptors change makers and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? In today's episode, I sit down with Tony Kittus from Le Camptor Libanais. Tony is an absolute legend in the hospitality sector and he's been in London for the last 30 years or so and built a very successful empire of restaurants. Uh, he's also got a number of cookbooks, he's got a, a souk market he's just launched and a range of different uh, concepts and initiatives that have just been super successful. Uh, really inspiring story, uh, tons of insights and learnings and just the sheer passion and drive and the termination of Tony is just super, super inspiring. So hope you enjoy it. Sit back, enjoy Tony Kittus. Well, Tony Kittus, great to have you on the show. Uh, really excited. I think you're an absolute legend in the industry. So it's an absolute pleasure to sit down with you. Um, so you were the first chef in the UK to bring Lebanese and North African cuisine uh, into the country, um, which I think is amazing in itself. But why did you launch Contour Libanais? What was the thinking behind that at that stage? Uh, Peter, first of all, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, I thank you and Fiona, your, 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 your colleague, for going so deep, digged so deep, and it brought back, so, you know, the questions that I've seen that you obviously, the, that is, they are amazing. Amazing. Uh, and it brought back a lot of memories. And I, that's for me, that's, you've done your homework and Correct. Correct. Yeah, I really, uh, really nice appreciate it. Uh, would be delighted. Yeah, sure. no, I'm really, yeah. really honored to, to have this uh, uh, podcast with you. Fantastic, fantastic. Great, great. So, so why then, um, <coughs> what was the thinking behind the concept, I guess? Like what got you going at the beginning? And uh, look, uh, a, a lot of people, maybe a lot of people don't know that. They know Contoire, they think they know the story, but Contour Libanais is not what I started with. Yeah. Uh, I started in 1993, I was like 22 years old, uh, when I first I opened my first restaurant. 
um, then it was kind of modern European restaurants, uh, and then eventually opened uh, Levant. Yeah. Levant was one uh, the first Lebanese Middle Eastern restaurants I, I did, uh, and then eventually all along, um, in my mind, uh, you know, I saw all kind of cuisines on the high street. The French, the Japanese, the pizza, the burger, the sushi, the Indian. Yet, there's no Lebanese or Middle Eastern cuisine on the high street. Okay. Whoever had it, they were like more for the ethnic market. Yeah. And it's almost that kind of pride that got me driven. Says like we have so much to offer. Yeah. You know, and you can't see it on the high street. Mm. And there's no, you know, it's it, a it's an opportunity, and second, I really want to showcase our food. Yeah. and our generous hospitality to the British High Street. Sure. And that's where the idea was born for about 10 years before I actually started it. Okay, okay. So it was a passion for your cuisine and then seeing a gap in the UK, essentially. Call it passion, call yeah. it love, call it pride, call it, yeah, you know, yeah. an opportunity. Sure, sure. Amazing. And part of the big dream. Yeah, for sure. And, and you've been here two decades now and have achieved so much success with Contour Living and other concepts. How do you feel now about that journey looking back? I get it's a big question and we'll get into it in more detail kind of stage by stage, but in general now looking back on your journey and in particular bringing that cuisine mm -hmm. and establishing it, creating a new category and succeeding to a quite a, a deep extent. How does that feel to you at this stage now? Uh, well, it's a long it's, 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 it's been a long journey. Mm. My first restaurant, I opened it in 93. Mm. So what does that make it? Uh, make it... It's 25 years, so? Almost, well, 93, 90, you know, 2000, yeah. you know, almost yeah. 29 years. Yeah, yeah sure. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, it hasn't happened overnight. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's taken a long, long, long time. I think for me, it's a, it's a part of, uh, it's always been part of the dream mm. and um, the dream gets bigger and bigger and bigger wow. and uh, and I don't look and say look oh look that's what I've done that's right no because I just as I keep having you know the the goalpost keeps moving on okay. the dream gets bigger uh, according to where I am um, and I don't really uh, look at it um, uh, what I what what I've done today, what achieved today. Uh, I enjoyed the past. Mm. There was a lot of challenges, but I was, I'm looking forward. I'm mm. looking forward for, okay. uh, for the future and I want to grow more and more. Sure, interesting. And I, I think a lot of people, they kind of have an end destination in mind and kind of a vision that they want to achieve. Mm. But it sounds like you take pleasure in the journey and you realize now that, that it's all part of the journey. Like I said, the goalposts keep moving forward. Did you always think like that, or did you originally have kind of a destination? Or I, did, you I didn't. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't think. Just things are happening. Yeah. I thought at one stage before I opened my first restaurant, uh, I was 18 years old when I when I said, "Oh, I think I have to open my first restaurant." Okay. That was the only dream I had to open my first restaurant. Okay. I've been, you know, in my mind every day. I can see my first restaurant, mm. but. I think that was the dream. That's what I was dreaming until I opened my first restaurant. You know, it's 22 years old, you open the first restaurant. You don't think at the time. Mm. But the moment, the first day I opened, I forgot about that dream of opening that restaurant okay. and just kept 
going and dreaming more and more and more. That's how okay. I function. Okay. And I hope I'll never um, reach the end of the destination. Because yeah. the destination is just... Yeah, very good. Makes sense. Great. Um, so let's go back then to the very beginning, I suppose. Um, I know you grew up in Algeria, in mm-hmm. quite a large family. Um, a lot of people we have on the podcast, they're influenced a lot by their upbringing in terms of the food and their eating and maybe their mother cooking and teaching them and so on. Uh, tell us about your family and your relationship with food as you were growing up. I, I, I like to think everybody has a relationship with food. I love food. Yeah. I love everything about food. I just eat, eat, eat. Yeah. I'm known to steal food. Okay. You know, from my mom's kitchen, she turns around even before the food is ready. I just go and, uh, yeah. We used to fight about food. Like, you know, grow up in a humble family and just okay. like I always try to eat my brother's okay. uh, from my brother's plate before I even start eating from my plate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, you know, we, you know, in our culture, food is very important. Mm. Um, we always have food at home. You never know, someone can come and you need to give yeah. them something. Um, what has influenced me about food, I, just, I think it just happened to be honest. A, I love food and second, surrounded by my mom, by my aunts, by my grandmothers. Uh, uh, yeah. You see them cooking all the time. It kind of, you look at, I never thought that's one thing I was going to do, no. Yeah. And I think that's, was part of my life, okay. and then eventually, as a kid, I used to sell. Um, I used to sell. Um, I used to. I was very, very young. I was about eight years old. I used to go and sell tickets. I sold football pitch as soon as they ran out of, you know, buy them, and then I sell them for a small profit. Okay. And then, as soon as I ran out of tickets, I go and make sandwiches, and I make lemonades wow. and sell them on the uh, on the street on the pavement. Oh. I think that's how that kind of. Entrepreneurial spirit. The know. entrepreneurial, that relationship with food. It wasn't just food. It was food and hospitality. Even if you are in the pavement, mm. you still you know, mm. sell sandwiches and lemonade as if you had your own restaurant. You know, you chat to them, you just you know, shout, lemonade, sandwiches. It's almost like, you know, yeah. and I think that's how it really started for me. Okay, amazing. And at such a young age as well. So what do you think drove you I guess for or to become that entrepreneur at such an early age, <clears throat> um, situation. Okay, a situation. You know, growing up in a, in in a very humble family. Yeah. Uh, my dad used to work for the government. Um, you know, I mean, different salary. We had food at home, uh, but I was kind of. Yeah, I think if I can, what I put it down is the fact that my cousins from both sides from were kind of well off. And I kind of, that drove me to, to do better, to become independent. Okay. And uh, it's survival. I wanted to make, uh, to have some money in my pocket, even at that, such a young age. Yeah. So I think that kind of, that's what gave me that drive. Okay. Makes sense. But great experience. From such yeah. A and I think well. it's almost like you always need to be out of a comfort zone, uh, 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 you know, uh, out yeah. of a comfort zone in order to be, sure. to, to, you know, to push yourself to do something. Absolutely. If you have the choice, sometimes it's difficult to, to go for something. Yeah, absolutely. And... At what age did you start cooking then, actually getting into the kitchen and start learning your, your cooking skills? All I remember, I think it's a very, very young age. Uh, it wasn't for me, it wasn't, for me it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was, I was cooking. Okay. What, what used to happen, I think my mom used to go to see her mom in the afternoon, my grandma. Yeah. Uh, and then I come home and I kind of feel peckish and I go in the, 
I think this is one of our first memories, actually. Okay. I go in the fridge, get some onions, some tomatoes, uh -huh. you know. I just kind of make something and I add some eggs and I make chikshuka my style. Okay. I think that's how I remember. It's like it was the simplest way to do things. That's, I think that's how I started. Okay. In the afternoon, coming out of school, yeah. and I'm at home by myself. And my brother's still at home. I just cook something very quickly. Okay. And then I make it in sandwich. I take it outside and eat it with my friends. Okay. Amazing. And then the passion and wow. I guess the love developed. This that. is the first time I thought about this. Okay. For like 40 years. Wow. I Amazing. swear. Amazing. The passion's coming out. Wow. <laughs> um, so then I know you came to London when you were 22. Uh, 18. Oh, 18 was it? Yeah. Okay. But it was a, a holiday, a short now, holiday um, looking for initially. I just came on a holiday with okay. a friend, you know, yeah. you know, I was, um, I got my A-levels, baccalaureate. Yeah. About to go to <clears throat> university and we said, oh, let's go somewhere. Why not London? Yeah. You know, just came, no plans, nowhere to go and we couldn't, you know, we just came as a, wow. you know, two teenagers just turned 18, was, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, just, and I fell in love huh. with London. Yeah, and you never went back or you, you, uh, like what, what made you, or what inspired you to London. stay in London? Just London, London. Okay. London. Yeah. there's so much in London that I fell in love with, everything. Yeah. And sometimes it's wild London, so you can't control sure. who or what you fell in love with. Yeah. In London in general, the people, the opportunities, uh, made me just want to be here. Sure. And the fact that just, you know, it gave me that little bit of that independence. Yeah. Easy to work. And then. Sure. Okay. And then tell us about your early career then in London. So what got you going in terms of. Uh, you know, I think in the beginning for me, it was very difficult. Uh, no, actually it wasn't difficult. It was a lot of, it was challenges. But at the time I didn't think they, 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 they were challenges. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first night when we came. We didn't, obviously, we didn't know anyone. And we stayed, we slept the night in Victoria Station. Wow. Um, and then uh, the following day, so we can't stay in Victoria Station forever, but we can't stay in a hotel because we only have 70 pounds in our pockets. <laughs> I have 70 pounds, my friend has 70 pounds. And then we find out one of our friends from back home had a brother in London. So we called him up, hoping he's going to tell us to come to stay with us, which he did. But then he took us, he was staying in a squat. Yeah. So we went to a squat in London, North London in, uh, in Manor House. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. That's never seen anything like that. And you live with, it was a group of Irish. Actually, they were Irish. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Unsurprising. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's, that's how I think my, it was, for, in the beginning, it was an adventure. It was, a, it was an adventure, it was sure. a holiday. Uh, and then, uh, hey, 32 years later, yeah, I'm in London. Still here, still here. And were you, did you find a job initially or were you thinking of a business venture? No, or? no, no, not yeah. at all. I think at the time I was just say, I'm going to be a few weeks, yeah. work, make as much money as possible, okay. buy some clothes, yeah. treat myself and go back to, okay. to, to Algeria to, to go to university. Okay. And uh, okay. that actually happened. I tried to stay. My mom said to me, like she called me up, crying on the phone, you know. Yeah. Algerian mothers giving you that emotional blackmail. I went back. I went back to Algeria. I said one day, you know, I said I went to the so I went to the university the next day. Sorry, yeah. I said half an hour. Okay. I went once to university, half an hour, and I went. I said, look, that's not for me. Oh. I felt like big part of me still in still in London. No, it's not big. Everything in me stayed in London. Just, and then I went back home. Told yeah. my mom, my dad, I need to. I, I won't go back. Obviously, they were devastated. 
and they tried to hold me back, hold me back, hold me back, send me everybody to, to get me out of the idea. Yeah. And I said, look guys, I have, I've been to university once, I need to, sure. uh, I, I need to go back. I think I got their blessing and I needed permission from my dad, it took me a few weeks to get. Yeah. And as soon as he got it for me, he gave me the, and I just I took a flight and came to, okay. to London. Amazing. Yeah. And I think for me, that was the moment I came back. And in fact, I was so excited on the plane to land in London. And then as soon as I got out of the um, uh, passport control, I was pushing my trolley as if like a huge pressure mm. came on my shoulders. So like, wow, the challenge mm. is not convincing your mom and dad. Mm because they send you everybody to try to get you to change your mind. Mm. Yeah. You know, the challenge is now. You are by yourself. You're going to, instead, all your friends are going to university. In four or five years, you're going to come out with a, a degree, diploma, doctor, engineer, pilot, whatever. Mm. What are you going to do? Mm. I think that was that moment. Mm. It's almost like, in my head went inside, like, you know what? In four or five years time, Whilst your friends come out of university with a degree, I need to start my own business. Yeah. And there's a split of seconds, this is my goal. In next four to five years, I need to open my own business. And I had that goal, a dream, whatever you call it, in front of me every single morning. And I pray, I praise God, just give me this. Mm. That's all I need. Mm. I was dreaming and every day about it, I was praying every day, but I was putting the hours. Okay. I was putting 16, 18, tw whatever it takes. Sure. I used to go to all the people I used to work with. I tell them, look, if you don't want to work, if you want to take a day off, you want a holiday, whatever, call me. I'll cover you. Sure. Seven days a week, once for two years, I didn't take a day off. I was loving it. It was hard. Mm. But because I had that dream and mm. I felt getting closer and closer on a daily basis. Yeah. What do you think was, was driving you um, to well, leave your home country, come to a big city like London with nothing essentially? Uh, where you could have stayed in university and, and stay mm -hmm. in that country. Like there was the dream of a, a bigger life maybe or success, but what was underneath that really pushing you along? I think underneath that was that hunger. Okay. Um, the hunger to do something. Yeah. The dream. I think the situation I was, I was born into. Mm. Um, feeling that I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. You know, it's very difficult to put my finger into what it was. Mm. But I was dreaming. I was dreaming big. Mm. At the time, having one restaurant, it was a huge dream. Mm. However, eventually, it, it, was, it, it was within me. It's difficult to say it, but it was the hunger. I was super hungry. Mm. And I felt, wow, that's so easy. I looked at it, it was so easy because you work, you get paid. You work, you get paid. You work eight yeah. hours, get paid X. You work 16 hours, you get paid X. You go 18 hours, do it seven days a week. And I think that for me, yeah. because I had a very clear goal, mm. which I took it in a, in a positive, as a big dream, mm. and I, f I felt I was getting closer and closer to it. Mm. And I think that's what drove me. Mm. Makes sense. You had that hunger and you and, were, and you were I was obsessed with it. I was super, you know, yeah. I was so obsessed with it. Mm. I was doing it on a daily basis, yeah. daily basis. Every hour matters. If someone says to me, I, can you cover me? I'll go. If a manager says, 
you know, the restaurant says, oh, it's too quiet today. And I think I want one of you guys want to go home. I'm the first person to say, I want to stay because that hour matters. Sure. Okay. You know, you know, today I look back, I stay, you know, 32 years in this country. But if I look back, you know, you know, I was doing, you know, 70, 80 hours, 90 hours a week. That's technically 60 or years of yeah. work I put in in 32 years. Yeah. And that's what it is. I was putting the hours. Yeah. I never consider myself like being smart or clever. I just put in the hard work, the so. hard work, the hard work. That's because with hard work, the moment you keep consistent, obsessed with it, keep going, keep going. Mm. There's only one way. Yeah, exactly. The right door will open up yeah. and never give up. That's how it. For sure. Makes sense. Okay, so let's start about, uh, let's, let's talk about Comptoir Libine, so, and the launching of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, you had very little money in the bank, and you just arrived in the country recently. Uh, how did you get the wheels turning, and how did you get it off the ground? No, look, uh, as I said, Comptoir wasn't the first uh, uh, restaurant, yeah. uh, but the idea of Comptoir was inside my head, yeah. growing and growing and growing. I knew... I wanted to create something that is for everybody, a student, a nurse, a doctor, an engineer, uh, a banker, but it's a place that everybody feels right. Uh, very popular, uh, simple, no protocol, a, a happy place, but I also wanted to do it where something very close to food I, was, I like to eat. Uh, although I'm Algerian, I created something Lebanese, the food, Algerian food and Lebanese food is different, but the culture is similar. Okay. The, the hospitality is similar, the generosity is similar, okay. abundance is, you know. And I think it started, uh, it, it started with that dream of, of, um, of making, um, uh, making Lebanese food and medicine food popular and introducing it to the high street. Okay, okay. And then how did you, I guess, start putting flesh on that idea and, and I guess the design side of things and the menu and so on? Uh, I think, for me at least, when an idea starts, it's just an idea. And then it's, and the more you work on it, the more it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Okay. I have in mind how I, I think I see it, but the more you work on it, the clearer it becomes. Okay. Uh, I thought about the food, the design, the atmosphere, the music, the team, the uniform. Uh, and, 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 and that's how it's almost like different uh, uh, categories that are each of them is very important, but you have to put them together. I think the food, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to do something where people share food. Yeah. Uh, with no protocol, I love to encourage people to eat with their hands sure. and in the middle, sharing and it's not, you have your starter, I have my starter, you have my main course and you know, yeah. uh, would you like to some of mine? There's none of that. Sure. You just bring food in the middle and... So um, it's quite authentic. It's, 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 it's how we eat it. Yeah. You know, just put the food in the middle and eat. It's like almost, you know, it's, what food does especially our food in our culture, it brings people together. Sure. And that's what we like, I always wanted to do, put food in the middle and just eat how you like. Sure. And that's how, that, how I wanted to do the food, but as far as the design is concerned, I wanted to make sure 
it's, 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 it's an experience. I want people to travel okay. with me in our restaurants. Okay. I wanted to almost send them on holiday for an mm. hour or two. Mm. And uh, I know in terms of design, I surrounded myself with all the memories of my childhood, of my travels, things I've seen, I smelled, I ate, and I lived, and that's how it started. So and I wanted to make sure to tell a real story. Okay. When it comes back to the food, and it comes back to, to, the, um, uh, to the design, small little music in the background to mm. make it obviously feel like you are mm. in okay. whatever you are in the Middle East, in Algeria, mm. Morocco, Lebanon, Syria, whatever. Mm. At the same time, I wanted to introduce this food for everybody. So by doing that, they eat it, but they also, if you want to make it at home, I had the small, some few, you know, small area where give them the, the ingredient that otherwise they can't find in Tesco, Waitrose or, uh, or Sainsbury's. Sure. Because that's, um, so that's part of the whole okay. experience. Okay. So you really want to transport people into the culture for, for that couple yeah. of hours. That's I want to there. seduce them with our culture. Yeah, sure. Uh, seduce them with our culture seduce them with because uh, it's unfortunately not many people it's not we're not the obvious destinations mm. for people to travel so and in the news unfortunately you get the wrong thing of 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 our culture mm. so it was an opportunity for me almost took it as kind of a cause okay to get people to know our uh, to go to our culture through food it's almost a you know you know get them closer through the food um because we have one of the most beautiful, the most generous, the most hospitable cultures. Sure. If you go to anyone's home in Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, all over the Middle East, Lebanon, the first thing you, you get is the food. Okay. You get the kiss, you get the hug, and you get the food. Nice. And you know what? You don't get the food, you get force-fed. Yeah. It doesn't matter, even if you just had lunch. Yeah. You know, if you had lunch with someone, take you to his home, he still gives you food. Sure. That's how we do it. Okay, amazing. Um, and then in terms of developing the menu, so obviously you're taking in authentic dishes into the UK because you were one of the first or the first to do it in this way. Were you conscious of the market and maybe they wouldn't take to this type of food or did you adopt it at all in the early stages or? No, I wasn't worried about that at all because okay. I know we have so many varieties. Okay. The, the, the repertoire, if you take it, Lebanese food is very close to Syrian food, Middle Eastern food, but at the same time, uh, I have few of whatever I, you know, uh, some of influence of Algerian food, some Moroccan food. I know the reper repertoire is so huge mm. that part of that huge repertoire, so much, you can just take and put on a table and you don't need to change anything. Okay. And people get it. Okay. It's, um, I, th I think once someone tries, you know, Lebanese or Middle Eastern food or North, North African food, sure. when, the, when it's done well, it's, you know, you don't need to understand it. You just get it straight it's, it's away. Good food, you, right? you, it's good food. Yeah. It's healthy. It's mm. fresh. Mm. It's if you're vegan, you are in yeah. cloud nine, yeah. vegetarians. Uh, it's, it's, it, and it's food for everybody. Sure. So... Yeah, and I wasn't worried about the food. I think the food was just give it to them. Yeah. When you get a dish with so many fresh ingredients, extra virgin olive oil, a bit of 
uh, mint, a bit of pomegranate, it's like, and the colors, mm. you know, and, and the smells and the, 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 the flavors. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, uh, it's going to satisfy anybody. It really. just, no, for me, it was no-brainer, yeah. except there was not many, people, not, not many people doing it. Okay, interesting. And have your menus evolved then over the last couple of decades or so? Have they changed with the markets and times? And you everything, vegan? everything evolves. Yeah, okay. It's not just uh, the menu. The menu, the design, our attitude, because you have to keep evolving all the time, all sure. the time, all the time. They, you cannot stop still. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, makes sense completely. Um, and have you introduced like more vegan dishes kind of over the last uh, few years? Or? I did not have to introduce vegan dishes. Okay. Vegan dishes were there. Yeah. You know, and a lot of restaurants nowadays, they bring on vegan dishes in order to satisfy a vegan or plant-based or vegetarian. We don't have to do that. We have it there. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. you know, a lot of people, because they, maybe they don't know this, but they go to just eat meat, meat, meat. Meat is very important in our culture. Sure. However, the vegan dishes, the vegetarian dishes are probably, the, the, it's, it have more choice on the vegan and vegetarian sure. than the meat dishes. So we didn't, you know, it was, it was a natural thing. In fact, a lot of restaurants nowadays, they put hummus, and then you put falafel, they put true. halloumi, they put like, wow, I love it. Because this is how we get to more and more sure. people to know about our food. Sure. You get an, an American diner, put in halloumi or put in hummus, like, wow. You put uh, Nando's, they have hummus. Sure. This is good for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in terms of, obviously, you've grown uh, so much over the last uh, few years. You've 20, is it 27 restaurants now? Yeah. More? Yeah. Um, so in terms of maintaining consistency, and I want to get into like the staffing side of things, the people side of things, our particular chefs, I would think, uh, considering the standard of your food as well. How have you seen that, I guess, evolve and change over the last couple of decades in terms of getting the people, keeping them, and just maintaining those consistencies, really? Look, consistency is very important in any business, mm. in every business. And restaurant business is one of the hardest mm. because on a daily basis, you make the food fresh. Yeah. It's not like in fashion, you cut the, um, the cloth by machine and you know exactly it's, just, well, that's just different. Sure. It's, you, you know, you don't use machinery, you use people. It, it's the team. You have to make sure you have the right team, passionate team, but it's down to us. Training is very important. Sure. And consistency is super, super important uh, for any business. Um, and there's a lot of challenges. The, our industry alone is very challenging to keep people mm. in, in the industry because people, like, they don't take it as, as a career. Sure. And come the pandemics, they make it even worse. Sure. And also the Brexit, not just pandemics. Sure, sure. I think the biggest, you know, you know we, we, we see the knock-on effect of the, of the Brexit. Sure. We're struggling for, for people and then come the pandemic and then... Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of restaurants that they haven't opened up because of shortage of stuff. Sure. How do you see it changing or, or do you see it changing in the future? Or it, how do we attract more people into the industry? It's... It, honestly, it's super, super, super hard because yeah. uh, the restaurant industry is seen as... as uh, well, it's changed in the last few years. Yeah. But originally, it was only people that came to this country, they couldn't speak the language. They didn't have choice and they just get into it. They get yeah. in by accident and they, 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 they fell stayed. in love with it. Yeah. They discovered the, what the restaurant industry has to offer, you know, and then they, they stick by it. Mm. And 
you know, now more and more you have, you know, uh, uh, British people work in the restaurant. Yeah. But we rely so much on people coming from abroad. Sure. And now with Brexit and the pandemic's making it hard, it's a challenge. It's a sure. challenge for everybody. Sure. Potentially. Well, I guess they'll have to ease visa regulations, I would say, but maybe yeah, and technology and automation. Yeah, and uh, it, it's, it's very challenging. Yeah. Really, really challenging. Uh, it's not for us, it's for everybody. Yeah. And it's because restaurants seen as the latest thing that people, the last job they want to do. Sure. You know, and that's how they, sure. you know, um, that's how the, the, the immigrants, whoever comes to the, to the country, works in restaurants. Sure. And uh, because it's not important in the, for the, sure. for the government to get the restaurants, they're more interested in taking teachers and so they don't pay attention to, to, to our industry. Yeah. I think we, we're suffering from it. Yeah. Restaurants and hotels are suffering big time. Yeah, sure. And like you said, it's not just our sector, it's so many different sectors. Oh, so many d different sectors are, are suffering from it. But mm. uh, I, you know, my opinion is the effect of Brexit. Mm. Mm. So is it going to get better? We hope it's going to get better. It has sure. to get better. It has to, yeah. It's not a choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I just want to touch on locations because obviously you've got quite a few sites now. Um, and obviously, just considering the, the range of different demographics, uh, even in London, as an example, do you have a structured approach to choosing your locations or how do you decide what would work for, for a Comptoir Libanais or any other concept? I think first of all, it's location. Yeah. When you say location, location, it has a meaning. Mm. It means footfall, footfall, footfall. Okay. We look at footfall, first of all. Yeah. Is that footfall seven days? Is it morning, lunch, and evening? Uh, and then there's some another aspect. I walk into the space. I said, do I feel the space? Um, I, I can go in the space. It's almost like you feel it. It's like you buying a home. Okay. How, you know, the energy you get from mm. it. Can, can I create that little experience mm. in there? And, and, and that's how we do it. But footfall is super important. Okay. Of course, footfall and then make sure that the rent is realistic because you can have the sure. best location sure. in the world, the highest footfall. Yeah. But if the rent is, the, is super expensive, are you going to make money from it? Because sure. at the end of the day, everything it's about, the numbers has to add up. Sure, sure. And when you're in that space, are you like visualizing the restaurant? and Very much so. Okay. I, I visualize the space straight away, visualize okay. the colors, visualize the, the, uh, the atmosphere, visualize the, how the customers are there, how, the, wow. how, how our team is in the kitchen cooking and shouting and the waiters walking around, the barman making the drinks. That's how wow. I visualize it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Amazing. And I visualize people from the outside looking inside. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it really is a feeling. Coming it's a feeling, but yeah. that you have to, for me, it's, it's, like, really. it's, it's, it's exactly like food. Yeah, yeah. When I create a dish, yeah. <clears throat> and um, I like to think our, our food is authentic, is, is um, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I bring a lot, I, I, I make new dishes, I create new dishes, which are um, different from what you would have seen in a Middle Eastern home, or an Algerian home, or a Lebanese home, or a restaurant. But what I do, I take all those ingredients, I put them together, different. Okay. But in my mind, I know what tahina tastes like, I know what aubergine tastes like, sure. I know what garlic, and then what I do, in my mind, I know how to cook them, I know how to put them together, I know exactly how it's going to taste. Sure. I know how to present it. 
and then I create. It's the same. You have to feel it from within and then you bring it out. Sure. So when I do a new restaurant, I know exactly how it's going to look. Sure. When I create a new dish, I know exactly how it's going to taste. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and you've obviously had other concepts as well. So you launched Levant, Levantine, Kenza. What inspired you and also drove you whilst you had obviously Contour Libane and mm. you had success of different okay. concepts? I just want to, yeah. okay, I think the first is Levant. Yes. Started with Levant. Levant yeah. is very much, it's, wow, it's an experience. It's like, it's a place where you can go and really you traveled far. Somewhere you end up somewhere in Marrakesh or in Damascus or in Beirut or in Istanbul, in Algeria. It's, it's a place where it's, you have the design, you have the cocktails, you have the food, you have the entertainment. It's really, it transports you for a night. Yeah. And it's a place I have, I know until today, Levant was open 21 years ago. Mm. I promise you, I meet someone, so my God, I had so many memories. I met my, my wife there, I met my, you know, uh, you know, my first date there, I had so many experiences there. And um, that's how it started, it started. And then eventually I opened Kenza, which is similar in the city. Yeah. And then I created Contoir, that is something that is very casual and for everybody. Sure. But I also have another, another concept we, we created, it's called Shawa. Shawa is shawarma. It's very close. I love a kebab. Yeah. And that's something that I really, really want to get people to uh, introduce to people. And I want to make sure it, it's how healthy it is, how delicious it is. And I want, I want to do to shawa, uh, to introduce people to shawarma, same way as they eat burgers. That's how I like to. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you see as the challenges to that? Maybe because we were speaking earlier about the perception of kebabs and maybe it's a, a 3 a.m. kind of dish. Yeah, it, 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 the perception of kebab is, we all know it. People think eating a, a kebab is the food of three o'clock in the morning after clubbing and hangover or whatever. It's actually not. Yeah. If you had a very good, well, how shawarma should be, you know, breast of chicken or, you know, you know, you know marinated lamb shoulder, sure. you know, freshly cut with delicious garlic sauce or tahina sauce or harissa sauce with freshly cut salad sure. and with the thinnest bread. It's healthy. When I used to run for my ultra 250 kilometer marathons in the desert, mm. I was actually for six months prior to the marathon, I used to eat that on a daily basis. It's protein, sure. it's salad, it's fresh, it's healthy. And uh, unfortunately we started with in the wrong kind of side. People think it's, like it's not healthy, but in fact, if you have a good one, it's actually very good for you. Sure. And I think I just wanted to help and change that perception. Okay. Yeah, okay. it would take time like anything else, but... Uh... Sure, I'm sold anyway, Tony, for sure. Sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other ideas in there for concepts. Um, I, I can see it. Yeah, there's always a lot of ideas, yeah. but you need to be realistic where, uh, yeah. you know, you have to focus a lot on... I see everything we've done is within Middle Eastern food, so I didn't yeah. try to get... Sure. How do you manage your time? I guess your role has changed over the years from being super, super hands-on early days. Mm -hmm. And now obviously you're writing cookbooks, you're uh, developing the business at a high level. Mm -hmm. How do you, or how have you transitioned into that different role? And what um, do you do with this? What, what are you focusing on at the moment? I think obviously with time I realized where my strength is, okay. where things are really, it's not quite uh, my strength. Yeah. And you need to surround yourself with a team. 
Mm. You need to have a very, very good team. Mm. Uh, blessed to have a good partner. Uh, surround yourself by the right people. Uh, and then you can, you know, a team is very, very important. Sure. There's, I know we're talking to each other now. Yeah. I'm not talking, I'm, to, I'm sharing my story. Yeah. But in terms of everything about work, it's actually a teamwork. It's, there's a half of whatever I'm saying, I'm saying on behalf of my team, on behalf of me. Sure. It's not, you know, I speak for the team. Yeah. So that's very, very important. You can't do it without the team. Sure. And then eventually you see what you do yourself and see what someone else does and then you work together. Sure. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like I feel in a way, I have what I'm doing. I'm still looking at, you know, working with our executive chefs about creating new dishes. How about this? Comes up with new ideas. Let's try this. Let's try that. When it comes back to the design, that's probably it's still doing that all the time. Sure. Because very difficult to tell a designer what to do that what I lived so you know things like that but we still work it's it's it's, it's a teamwork any sure. business or even it doesn't matter if one what do you think a singer or an artist or whatever it still has his team sure it's you know I don't want to you know people to think that when someone does something it's a one-man show there's no such thing as one-man show yeah it's a team absolutely there's nobody yeah nobody in this world sure that created something and made a success without a team sure Although for me, I still feel like I just started. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like there's... I, I generally feel that I'm, one, I'm, I'm still 22. Mm. I feel like I'm hungry. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Um, what about your books? So you've had three very successful yeah. books. Uh, we had uh, three um, uh, cookbooks. Yeah. Which um, was the idea. I was, again, was born in my head for a while because a lot of people say, oh, what's the recipe for this? What's the recipe for that? And how, you know, how do I make it? I thought, hmm. You know, in the beginning, you give them the recipe. It says, maybe it's one way to get people to understand our food, our culture. I enjoy doing the books. However, it was challenging because that's not what I do. Sure. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not okay. an author yeah. by nature. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that, oh, who most of his life, yeah, I went to school, but I was on the street. Everything I learned was on the street. Yeah, sure. You know, I get referred as the street boy, you know, sure. back home, my nickname, you know, the wolf, you yeah. know, because I was always hustling. Okay. I learned everything on the street. Uh, but luckily, I have a very good friend of mine, Dan Leppard, who I've known for so many years. And then I, I, I turned to him, I called him up, said, Dan, I need help. I need to do books. And he held my hand. And I have another friend of mine, eventually, uh, Nicolas Ibizon, who helped me, you know, helps me with her advice. So you need, you need people around. You always need. You need, you know, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Early, early days, I didn't, I, I didn't think it was normal to ask people. Okay. about ideas. I, was, I wasn't shy. He didn't, the idea wasn't, you know, maybe because I was 18, I was 22 when I, put, I opened my first restaurant. I thought in my head, uh, I know everything. Sure. But it took me a while to start opening up, calling people. I said, you know what? I need some help. I need to, and, you know, I'm 51 years old today. Mm. And now I feel like I can pick up phone to someone. I says, I'm really struggling with this. I need help. Okay. You know, so... Yeah. That's not something I did when I was younger. Sure. Because at the time you have that kind of naivety thinking I know everything. Yeah. But now I have so much more experience and sure. I say, you know what? I feel today, at 51, I know less when I felt when I was 
yeah, 22 sure. years old. I think it's also security and confidence in yourself as well. To be confident in knowing what you do know or be confident in, in your own skill set. And I think, to be honest, with when, when, when you were, when I was probably more confident when I was 22. Yeah. With that naivety, we just hunger and just go for it. Then I'm not, and I'm still obviously confident, though. It's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But at that time, you just go for it. You don't think. Sure, sure. And you mentioned earlier as well that, and it's pretty clear that you're always pushing yourself and moving out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I guess if you do that with the right people around you, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of going in the right direction. No, you need people. Yeah. Whatever you do, you need the right people. For me, you know, my team is, I feel like it's a family. Sure. It's my family. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I have family at home, family at work, but for me, it's one, it's one, uh, my life is all about my work. Yeah. So it's one family. Okay. Okay. So what does the future hold then, Tony, if you're to look ahead maybe uh, 10 years for Comptoir and, and yourself? No, obviously, you know, as I said, Shawa has a huge yeah. part of my future plans. So is Contoir. Yeah. We want to spread the love of Lebanese food, flavors of Lebanon. Also, I want to make sure that shawarma is get eaten. And I want, I love to see one day, yeah. you know, becoming mainstream. You know, you know, shawarma yeah. shop yeah. in many corners of London. Yeah. But yeah, I have other. Uh, ideas okay. which uh, die to share with with you and with the world. Yeah, but um, I have to hold horses and okay, one step at a time. One step at a time, yeah. but when the time is right, sure. yeah. Okay, I can see it for sure. That's, the the determination is yeah. still there. The energy is still there. Uh, oh yeah, as much as when I was eighteen or, or yeah. when I was twenty-two, I, was, sure. I have so much energy. Sure. And um, I think this is due to to how. You know, it took me a long time to, 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 make, to make sure that my hunger, my passion, everything, you know, keep, keep that desire sure. alive. Sure. And now I feel like that desire is much more than it was. I, I, that's how I feel. Mm. It's because I think there's one thing, especially with the pandemic, what's been happening, you start thinking about uh, everything you're doing. It starts from one thing. It starts within. Yes. And self-care. Sure. Self-care is super important sure. and I learned a lot more. I've always been uh, someone who did activities, a lot of marathons mm. um, and um, now I do it more and more. I eat super healthy, okay. I train, I train for one thing not to, to look like you know an athlete, no, I train first and foremost for my head yeah. and I eat healthy because I've learned a lot. You don't think about it when you are when you are twenty. Yeah. But eventually you realize you are what you eat. Sure. I love sweet. I love carbs. I love everything about food. But I had an, uh, you know, carbs and sweets had no an effect on me, mm. on my mental health, on my, on my mind and my energy. So yeah. now I think there's one thing I focus on, because that gives me all the energy sure. I need for the next sure. 40, 50 years, sixty years, however yeah, long. Absolutely. <laughs> Makes sense. So yeah, you've been on an amazing journey, Tony, and it's super no, inspirational. I, I, I enjoy the journey. Yeah, you know, I I just want to make sure it's a journey with no with no, no, you know, I don't want to I don't want to I wouldn't put, um, it's it's just a journey. Sure. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving and it. And the pleasure is in that. I don't journey. want to end that journey. Yeah. I don't want to have uh, a goal where to, that that stops. Sure. 
Sure, makes sense. So if there was one thing now looking back, uh, let's say speaking to your 18 or 22 year old self, is there something you would tell that Tony or to, to guide him in a different way or just follow the same process? It's, a, uh, it's very difficult yeah. to, to say that because only when I was thinking about it, how do you tell a 22 year old mm. what to do? Uh, if I'm speaking about myself, at that age I was so naive. With that naivety come I was stubborn. Mm. In my mind I thought I know everything. Mm. I, I was living by myself, so I didn't have to ask my dad or my mom or anybody what to do. Sure. You thought you know it all. But what helped me, it had that hunger and drive and that determination, obsession to do something. Mm. Uh, and I was kept going and going and going. But today, um, it's, I think for me, it's, it's very difficult to, to look back and, and advise my 22-year-old self. Mm. Personally, I wouldn't change anything okay. because I made so many mistakes along the way. Uh, but those mistakes, I used to look at them, oh, I made this mistake, this mistake, this mistake. And now, today, I feel blessed. I missed those mistakes because with these mistakes, it made me who I am. Because sure. along the way, you know, last 30 years, people only see you. Uh, I look at this as success. I look at this as success. Look at what Tony's done. I don't see it as success. I mm. see it as part of the, the, of the process. Mm. But what people don't see is how many times if you were downed yeah. and you have to pick yourself up. Every time I go down, I pick myself up. Every time, I go, because I don't have mm. I know, uh, the choice. I just want to keep going and going and going. Sure. So for me, I don't see it as a, as a success. I see it as a journey. Sure. And I don't know. You know, that get down 20 times, get up 21 times. Mm. You know, it's, that's, for me, it's a fight. You have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy the adventure. You have to enjoy the journey. Sure, sure. Yeah. Super inspirational time. And, and I feel very blessed. Mm. I'm doing something that I truly, truly love. Mm. Because when you do something you truly love, it doesn't feel like work. Absolutely. It really does not feel like work. Yeah. And, um, you know, and uh, I'm always putting myself out of my comfort zone. That's how I, I'm, I do better. Okay, okay. Amazing. It's fantastic. Thank well, thanks very much for coming it's on. It's a pleasure. It's super, super inspirational. It's and a pleasure. It's a pleasure to sit down with you. No, the pleasure okay. is mine. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Right.